Hello and welcome to episode 222 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Bryce and Poza. Still don't have Jacob with us, but we are back after taking a series off last week. Bryson, the Blue Jays don't win a series, but they at least win a game. How are you? Oh, we're completely back on the World Series hype train after the seventh <laughs> inning today. Um, just to see the mood swing from people. And I guess the optimism and just the excitement's back. And then just on another note, I want to make it just a heads up to all the listeners and the viewers that I'm currently dealing with something with my throat the past five days. So if I sound off to you, that is because of me. So bear with me. Uh, I know Jacob would have done this, and I know that we're doing this for Jacob as well. And of course, again, the optimism back after the Jays come back win today. You had to come on and talk about this. I got to be honest, I don't think I have that optimism. I wish I did. I wish I was as optimistic as you are, but it is rough going. The Blue Jays have still lost four of their last six games. They avoid a sweep by the skin of their teeth, and even in today's game, you can talk about how good Ross Stripling's start was, but the Blue Jays don't score a run until the seventh inning. It's a perfect game into the seventh, and yet it's a 0-0 ball game. Like, I don't know. I still have a lot of negative feelings about this team. There's a lot of problems and a lot of things we're going to talk about in this episode, but let's start with what we saw today. The Ross Stripling start, it was phenomenal, and it's his return from the injured list. I was thinking he's probably going, you know, normally he only gets through two trips to the rotation, so I was, or two trips to the lineup, so I was thinking, you know, normally he's out after five innings, he's coming back from the injured list, so he's probably going to be out after four innings in my mind it's going to be a lot of pressure on the bullpen and the offense isn't producing so that puts more pressure on the bullpen even past just what stripling would be doing it's I was going through the cycles of possibilities in my head and then Ross stripling goes out there and tosses a perfect game into the seventh inning and even leaving in the seventh looked like he still had his best stuff. I know he was, I think it was Schneider was talking about it after the game, or maybe it was Stripling who was talking about what, you know, once he kind of shuts down, gets out of that game mode, he can't really turn it back on, but a hell of a start from him, hell of a return from the injured list and ramifications for the Blue Jays rotation. You say Kikuchi now appears to be the odd man out the Blue Jays, um today you know we they always have that famous walk-in from the bullpen before the game starts and previously Kikuchi has been part of that today he wasn't and it was Mitch White in his place so John Schneider confirmed after the game that um you say Kikuchi is going to be pitching out of the bullpen for the time being and this move was a long time coming I think and it's good to see that both Ross Stripling is back, and the Blue Jays are finally making a move when it comes to Yusei Kikuchi. Time and time again, start after start, he continues to prove, Ross Stripling, that he is one of the most reliable starters uh, in this rotation. And of course, this was something that none of us predicted heading into the season, and the fact that he continues to do this even after coming back off the injured list was impressive. You talk, or you spoke about it, carrying a perfect game into the seventh inning. And I think the only frustrating part for me was that at the time when it was intact still, is that the Jays only had two hits, 
and it just felt like, you know, 0-0, are you really going to do this to Ross Stripling in his first start back? And then, of course, uh, he he allowed the, a leadoff single in the seventh inning, and then the rest was history from that. But what a start. Um, he comes back, and he, he looked really good for somebody who was out for with a, a hip strain for, the I guess, the last two weeks. He looked good in his rehab start in Buffalo last week as well. So he came up, he came back on a really good note in terms of his rehab. He wasn't out very long whatsoever. And he came back, and he, he pitched pretty well again today. And that's pretty much the highlight of the series. I mean, or even the highlight story of this homestand. I mean, there wasn't just... Not a lot going on whatsoever, and then I think in terms of that, you know, the Jays themselves haven't been really succeeding uh, like they, I guess you would have expected them or hoped for them to do. I mean, a lot of things can change, and of course a lot of things will continue to change for the rest of the way, but one thing to note is that they are no longer in that first wildcard spot, just to show you how tight that race is and how tight it continue to will or it still will be uh, throughout the rest of August, and then I think that's something to take note of as well. So thank goodness they came away with the win today. Shout out to Ross Stripling, who uh, came back on a really good note, came back again as one of those reliable starters that you have in this rotation that you're likely going to depend on uh, even later on in the season as, season as well. And you spoke about it as well with Yusei Kikuchi. I just felt like this was a move that it felt like it was inevitable in terms of the amount of times that we've named the podcast title, what are the Blue Jays going to do with Yusei Kikuchi, or you know, how many more starts does Yusei Kikuchi have left? And they find, or the... the the question was finally answered today, like you mentioned before the game. Uh, was seen watching pretty much the game after even the warm-up, watching the game from the bullpen. It was later confirmed by John Schneider that Mitch White will be taking a spot in the rotation. The fact of the matter is, is that every five days, if he's going to continue to do this, you can't be sending him out there every five days for a team that's trying to get into the playoffs at this point. How tight of a race that is. And it really, just because of, I guess, the amount of times and the amount of effort they put into this to try and fix him... Uh, this was the right decision. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to last for. I assume it's going to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, it just felt like there was a reason why Mitch White also was, came over here, even though he wasn't the flashy name that a lot, uh, that a lot of us were expecting. He came over here, um, and he he's looked good in his first two starts in terms of the expectations. We know that what we're expecting him to bring to the lineup, or sorry, throughout the rotation, and that's exactly what he's been doing. So, He's going to fill that void in for that fifth starter spot for the rest of the way, or at least, again, for the foreseeable future. Yusei Kikuchi is going to kind of turn into a, a short leverage guy in terms of short innings um, coming out of the bullpen. You have to hope there's some optimism there that you can work with, but we really don't know. It just feels like at this point they're out of answers to, and they know that for a fact that they can't be sending him out there every five days, so it was kind of an easy decision to stick with Mitch White, and again, the right decision to make, as you have a crucial series coming up this weekend with the New York Yankees, so not surprising whatsoever, and I think it's a very popular opinion throughout the rest of uh, the Jays fan base as well, so it's just something that you put so much time and effort in, no matter what you did, and no matter after all the flashes you did see a promise, it didn't work out, and um, that's pretty much the point that they're at with Yusei Kikuchi, so while you take him to the, or while you move him to the bullpen, you have Ross Stripling back, who had a really good start once again today. I think you're in, sitting in a pretty decent spot with rotation. Of course, you still have to, or outside of guys like Jose Barrios, but you have Ross Stripling to depend on. You have Mitch White, who is going to give you some quality innings, or who's going to give you a boatload of innings the rest of the way as well. And you're going to have to find a way to make this all click uh, throughout the rest of the way. And then at the same time, you also have to find a way to have Yusei Kikuchi. I guess, give him some sort of role 
out of that bullpen. Again, we don't know the entirety of what or when the specifics we will be seeing him, but all we know is that he could be a short innings guy out of the bullpen. Perhaps he could be effective. Um, I guess this is the last thing that the Jays haven't tr- or haven't tried to do with him yet is try him in a different role, try him out of the bullpen, and we'll see what happens with that one. I know this is impossible to predict, but how do you think Yusei Kikuchi is going to do out of the bullpen? <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> um, it's impossible to predict. I, yeah, I don't have an answer for you. If you had to bet, like, do you think – like ERA wise, I guess. Do you think he'll have an ERA in the twos, an ERA in the threes, ERA in the fours, or five plus? I'll say the fours. I think I'll be generous and say the fours. Yeah. How about you? That's generous saying the fours. <laughs> you think that's generous? Uh, As a reliever, short innings, kind of. I do think so, but it depends again the entire entirety of the role they're going to give him so yeah uh, well, i agree with you i think it's going to be fours i don't think i don't know if that's generous but yeah i think fours is probably the right idea and i think if he if he's at coming out of the bullpen and gives the blue jays an era in the fours if it's mid to low fours that's a win for the blue jays at this point if that's what you can get out of him that's a success for the blue jays and i'm curious what comes next though like this guy is under contract for two more seasons after this one. So do the Blue Jays just keep him in the bullpen for two more years with, well, he's earning like $12 million a year. That's what I'm curious about. Reliever. What does this deal look like in future seasons? Or, you know, do they just kind of write off this year and then try it again in spring training and try to figure out whatever's going on with the rotation and his issue with starting? Like, that's my big question. How long does this last? What does this look like going into 2023 and 2024? A part of me feels like they're going to try and do this all over again next year. That's, that's um, what I think they'll do, yeah. It's probably not the popular answer, probably not the answer people are looking for, but you said it. like That's an expensive reliever uh, coming out of the bullpen, making that much money. So, And if the fact that you have two more years with them, this isn't exactly where you have one year left. You can maybe do a Tanner arc get rid of him for that final year and eat the money. Um, You have two more years left with him. You invested with him for three more years. As much as you hate to say it, and as much as you may not agree with it, he could be a potential option for that 2023 rotation. I know that we are getting ahead of ourselves with this, but in terms of him individually and trying to find a role for him on this team, it just seems like that's the most likely scenario uh, right now for that. Of course, maybe they find a way to move him in the offseason and kind of find a team to take some money uh, off the books for that. But who knows what value he does have after kind of what he's shown through, I guess, his tenure with the Mariners and, of course, his tenure here, where it's kind of the similar thing despite having a really good first half of the season last year in 2021 where he was an all-star. Besides that, it's kind of been the similar, um, just similar results in terms of inconsistency and in terms of just struggling to even just find any sort of success um, pretty much consistently every five days. So that's where I see it. I kind of think that restart next year, see what you get out of them. Uh, I think this year him in the rotation definitely seems like it's done, uh, barring any other injuries, knock on wood. So it just feels like we're past that point now where they're going to be giving him opportunity after opportunity in 2022. Perhaps this carries over to 2023. Yeah. And and you mentioned it a little bit there, but I think the third possibility is a trade because 
if he does come into the bullpen and has a four-ish ERA for the rest of the season, I think it becomes easier for the Blue Jays to move him, even though he is an expensive reliever, even though he isn't putting up the best numbers out of the bullpen. They can say to a team, look, he's capable of doing this out of the bullpen. We'll eat part of his contract if you take him off our hands. And so I think that's a real possibility for the Blue Jays if he does perform out of the bullpen. Um, although I, I still think they're going to try to roll him into the rotation next year and see how it goes. But that's a question we will be talking about in the offseason. And of course, it pertains to what the Blue Jays do this offseason because maybe they're in the market for a starting pitcher. They add a guy, he takes Yusei Kuguchi's spot in the rotation, and all of a sudden they don't have room for him in the rotation. He moves to the bullpen or he becomes a trade candidate, like we said. So lots of moving parts there. Um, Let's talk about the other guy that came back from the injured list. It wasn't just Ross Stripling, we did get George Springer back from the injured list, which was, to be honest, a surprise to me. I really expected when the Blue Jays put him on the injured list, it would take at least longer than the minimum 10 days, but it was pretty darn close to that, which is really good for Toronto. And I guess we're starting maybe to see the impact that he has on the Blue Jays. We know how influential he is in that lineup and how much he helps, you know, kind of set the stage for the Blue Jays. And I think we kind of saw that today, even though he didn't start, he came in to pinch hit in the seventh inning and he really got the ball rolling. He had that first RBI single, the 1000th hit of his career. I think it was the first pinch hit hit of his career, which is kind of bonkers for someone who's played as long as he has. Um, and it really got the ball rolling. So uh, yeah, impossible to overstate how important he is to this lineup and Maybe he's the guy who's been missing this entire time, but I was surprised that he came back actually around the minimum of 10 days. I expected it to be longer. That is a first because every other situation where we've seen this, it was we are optimistic it is 10 days and then all of a sudden it turns into weeks, it turns into months, and then it kind of just has a slow recovery back from there. So yeah, I mean, the fact that they actually came out originally and said, we are very hopeful it's 10 days. I think I said to myself on this podcast, take it with a grain of salt. We've heard that before. The fact that he actually came back when eligible, that was the most interesting part. And then, of course, the other thing, too, is that because of all the absences he had last year, uh, it kind of gave us a, a somewhat of a decent sample size of the team kind of just showing the comparisons of when he's in the lineup versus when he's not in the lineup. And this is also doesn't, you know, you can obviously factor in his contributions, but even when he's not contributing, just the fact of the matter is when he was in the lineup, even last year, the Jays were a much better team, obviously, compared to when he wasn't there. And then you kind of saw maybe a similar thing this time around, because of course, that's when he went on the IL was during the previous series a few weeks ago in Minnesota. And then that's kind of when the Jays downfall began, or I guess their cold streak began. He comes back this week. And he finally, or he, and then he starts, obviously. But then, of course, the game today, which was the biggest impact from him and pretty much the biggest impact from the offense, was where he didn't start. But he comes off the bench in the seventh inning, and he starts the six-inning rally that they put to uh, put forward in the seventh inning. Um, basically, the offense, or the bats, the at-bats that they've been putting forward through the past week, disappeared in a single inning. And this was because, or led by, or started from, George Springer, who comes off the bench uh, in the seventh inning. For, again, somebody who didn't start and was basically the anchor of everything that happened today. It just shows how 
valuable he is to the signing, but shows how important he is. You saw the energy from him. You saw the energy kind of circle back through the dugout, something that you haven't really seen for the past week. This was something that they needed desperately. Um, not just for Springer individually, but I think this team needed to needed I just to feel something like this again quickly because of course I think the word John Schneider was using was urgency in terms of the you know the the last stretch of the season before uh, the playoffs began and that's what you needed this was a team here the Orioles the past two weeks they've they've had the upper hand on you even going back to last the last series when it was in Baltimore uh, when they won two out of three before the third game was delayed from rain or postponed um, they, they do the same thing in this series and of course again the third series in a game where it's tied in a game where there's not a lot of offense George Springer starts that rally in the seventh inning and he was the focal point of their win today it just shows truly how uh, important he is and of course the only other thing now that we got to hope for but of course it's no guarantee is that he can somewhat manage his elbow throughout the rest of the way where he's good enough to play you know two times a series where he's good enough to maybe play in center field at least once a series as long as his bats in the lineup I think that's the most important part as long as, long as his name is in the lineup because of how just much better the Jays are on paper with him in the lineup and I think that's the most important part there but he did show how truly important he was uh, when he came off the IL and then when he started that seventh inning rally. I don't want to totally ignore what Bo Bichette and Teoscar Hernandez did before him because they got on base and set the table for what Springer and then, you know, the guys following him, Santiago Espinal and um, who was it who had that? Was it Kirk who had a double? Kirk the double off the wall, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I don't want to take away from what the guys before Springer did, but like, there's clearly a difference with this team with Springer. And like, I don't even think it makes sense on paper. Like you look at the numbers of the other guys in this lineup and like they should be able to hit without George Springer there. But for some reason, he's got this sort of magic pixie dust that he sprinkles on the Blue Jays lineup whenever he's in it. And for some reason, the Blue Jays are a completely different team when he's playing. And it is baffling um, to look at the numbers and try to make sense of it. But when you look at it on the field, for some reason it makes perfect sense that he is so influential to this team. So um, we saw it last year. We saw it earlier this year, and now we're seeing it now again. Um, so, so important to this team. Need to keep him on the field, whether it is with a arm brace on or not. The Blue Jays got to keep him on the field and in the lineup as much as possible because he is so far the difference maker in the Blue Jays' season. And, I mean, look, who knows whether this is – an actual turning point or not, but the Blue Jays put him in the lineup and they get a much needed win and they avoid falling out of a playoff spot for the first time in who knows how long. So um, keep him in the lineup, keep him healthy. Um, okay, the other big news from this series is Bo Bichette moving down to the seven hole. He was previously batting fourth slash fifth over the course of the season uh, and he was moved down to the seven hole at the start of this Baltimore series. That was the lowest he has ever hit in his major league career. And then today's game, he was hitting sixth, which is um, now the second lowest he's ever hit in his major league career. Um, prior to this series, I think the only time he had batted below fifth in his major league career was on his major league debut when he batted sixth. Um, besides that, he had batted fifth or higher in every single in every single game in his major league career. So 
I imagine it was a tough conversation between him and John Schneider and the rest of the Blue Jays coaching staff. It's a move that had to come. I don't know how much it does. We've talked about this before. I think sometimes when a team is struggling, you can read a little bit too much into the way a lineup is constructed. And sometimes it does have real impact. Sometimes you need to shake something up. Sometimes you need to put Matt Chapman or Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in the leadoff spot or whoever it may be. But sometimes I really don't see the point of making a move. I think this is a case where it makes sense, where you need to shake something up, and it can't really hurt except for the potential of Bo Bichette's feeling. And even that, you know, they're talking about it on the broadcast, but John Schneider and Bo Bichette have a relationship that goes back years and years and years since Bo Bichette was drafted. So I think if anyone is going to make this move, John Schneider is the guy to do it. And maybe it is a little bit of eyewash, but I think at a point where you're about to fall out of a playoff spot when you've lost eight of the last 10, when the Orioles are a half game behind you and you're facing them in a three-game set. I I don't think it really conveys panic to make this move. I think it just says, we're losing. Something's got to change. Let's start here. Yeah. Honestly, as much as I do agree with you that it was the right move, I was still shocked to see it just because of how much he did drop yeah. in the lineup. Like I, you know that I he, didn't expect yeah, like we, it. Mm-hmm. Like we know how much he dropped already, or at least a couple spots to begin with, when they did that lineup change, when Guerrero was obviously, when they flipped him at two, and then eventually they flipped to Oscar Hernandez, or they, sorry, they flipped um, Alejandro Kirk too. So uh, all three of those guys were kind of rotating or going up and down the lineup where Bichette was starting to drop even more towards the middle, the middle of the lineup. And then, of course, the lineup came out uh, yesterday, which was on the Tuesday game, and he was hitting seventh, and I was kind of had to look at it twice. So I think it was a good point that, that you made, and of course it was also made on the broadcast, that John Schneider has known Bo Bichette for so long. So as much as it probably was a difficult conversation, it might be the only, he might be the only person that could have properly have done that, which is probably another factor into why it actually was done. The fact of the matter is is that we know the season that Bo Bichette's been having, uh, very similar to, I guess, just the team in general in terms of inconsistency. You see it up and down, up and down, and there's been many times this year, not just him, because, of course, this team, I guess just an example with double plays, is that it's not just Bo Bichette, but there are numerous times this year where people have gone on base and there's been rally killers in terms of grounding on the double plays, and that's another point that I've I've seen people mention is that uh, a lot of that has come in the middle of the order. So, Try something new in terms of flip-flopping him with somebody like Matt Chapman, Teoscar Hernandez, who have hit better uh, recently, I guess, over the last stretch. Uh, even though Bo Bichette was also recently on a hot streak, Matt Chapman's been consistently hitting the ball really well over the course of the second half of the season. So give him a try. Move him up the order. We know that we saw him lead off um, in a different game throughout this series as well. You've seen him lead off. So they're also moving Chapman up and down uh, throughout different parts of the order, too, that they're testing him with. So this was a move... It felt like it was the right move. Uh, I wasn't, or I was surprised that it actually did happen that he dropped to the seventh spot. But in reality, it's hard for me to, and as much as we all love Boba Shad, it, it's just it's hard for me to defend, or not defend the move. It's hard for me to argue or disagree with the move because of the fact of the matter is, once again, it just hasn't been a consistent year where we've seen the bat compared to, you know, how he's been producing in previous years, like he did in 2020, like he did in 2021 last year. So. 
it's something that you're hopeful. I mean, he catches at the end of the season. It's you sound like a broken record, but that's that's the way, or that's the I guess the just where we've gotten to with this team and of where we've gotten to with somebody like Bo Bichette. You hope he catches it at the right time. We've seen the good parts in terms of when you're hot. We've seen the bad parts when you're struggling in terms of it just feels like there's no approach. You're swinging at everything. You're striking out. You're hitting, hit grounding in the double plays. You just seem lost, and that's pretty much what we've seen this year in terms of a good side, a bad side, and when you're up and down like that, it's not always exactly a strike to have you hitting clean up, hit, having you hit fifth, and in some cases, having you hit sixth, which is why the move to seventh happened um, yesterday and again once in the Tuesday game, and as much as I didn't think it was going to happen, um, in, to, to me, the fact that it did happen, it was the right move for me. I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, you have to imagine that Bobochet doesn't want to stay in the seventh spot for the rest of the year. You have to imagine that this is kind of a, you know, I, the the team doing anything they can to give him a wake up call. Even though I think he knows that or himself that he hasn't been putting up the greatest amount of numbers this year as well. So this is maybe the team doing everything they can to push him, push him, trying to get a spark going, uh, do something on their side rather than just try and wait and wait. And we'll see what happens uh, throughout the rest of the year. This team is obviously a, mu- a much better team offensively when Bo Bichette is you know, playing consistently good when he's hitting higher up in the order. And you just haven't seen that this year, and that's, uh, that's just the way it's been. So you hope that he catches pretty much lightning in a bottle in the last part of the season and hopefully into the playoffs. But until then, uh, you just have to see it consistently from him, and I think the, the Jays also have to see it from him as well. I think this may also be... I don't know if kicking the ass is the right phrase, but the kicking the ass that Bobochet needs to think deeply about his approach. <laughs> like, we've been talking about it since 2019. Everyone's been talking about it since 2019. His approach isn't great. And I know it is what makes him him. And when he was drafted by the Blue Jays, one of the commitments they made to him and one of the reasons why he signed was that they said they weren't going to change who he was, that they wanted to work with him to improve, but that his swing and his approach made him who he was and they weren't going to change that. And obviously it served him well so far. It got him through high school. He got him through all these levels of the minor leagues and he's had success in the majors with this approach and this swing. But clearly, even with his success in the majors, he's been up and down and hot and cold the whole time. So... I wonder if moving down to seventh for the first time in his career is a signal for him to reconsider things. And I think we started to see it in his first game from the seven hole. He There was an at-bat later in the game. It resulted in a ground out, but I think it was a 107-mile-an-hour ground out, and he worked the count to 3-2. And it was, I think it was Dean Kramer who was pitching, and Kramer had shut down the Blue Jays, and it was only at like 70 pitches or something like that. It was basically the goal of Bichette's bat, whether he got on base was at bat, whether he got on base or not, was to work the count and make Dean Kramer throw a little bit more pitches. And I think it was only a seven-pitch at bat, but point being, a seven-pitch at bat for Bo Bichette is somewhat of a rarity. So to see him work that out of the seventh hole kind of makes you wonder whether it the move really is a kick in the ass for him, whether he is kind of reconsidering his approach and maybe he'll be less aggressive, maybe he'll stop swinging out of his shoes. Again, knowing that 
that's what got him here in the first place. Um, but obviously it's not totally working in the majors. And yeah, I mean, that's the most important part to what you were saying is that that is his approach as much as you agree with it or not. And he's even said it himself in terms of being aggressive. The problem is, is when you still don't have, you know, you can be aggressive and have an approach, but when you're being aggressive and you don't have an approach, like we've seen numerous times this year, you're swinging at everything. And I mean everything, no matter how close it is inside or outside, high, low, no matter what, no, no, you name it, sorry, you are swinging at everything. And that's what we've seen um, when he hasn't made contact, when we've seen him make contact, it's been ground balls, it's been weak contact. And again, there's been times where it's also been really good contact. So it just shows you, furthermore, the roller coaster of a season that he has been having because there's been good points, there's been really low points, um, and that's basically what it is. And maybe a kick in the ass is the right word to use, Mark. I don't know, but I do understand what you're, where you're coming from. And maybe, you know, I don't know how much they're asking him to completely change everything because of course like you said this is an approach that got him to where he is today but to maybe alter it a bit and remain aggressive is something that I think could be done of course it's easier said than done but I don't necessarily think they're asking him to completely change everything about his approach I'm not saying that's what you're saying I'm just saying you have to imagine that that's what they're kind of going with on this one but again you can always make tweaks you can always again have more of an approach while still being aggressive. Maybe it's something that he needs to figure out or get confidence with at the bottom of the order. You said it, a seven-pitch at-bat, that's an absolute win uh, for a Bobachet at-bat. That's something that you don't see whatsoever at all. Even something along the lines of six pitches is something that you don't see often. So the fact that it did get to seven pitches, I remember the at-bat exactly what you're talking about, kind of was a double-take in terms of that is Bobachet right now uh, at the plate. So... It was surprising, and um, you know we'll see because we don't know necessarily how permanent it is or how constant it will be. Of course, in the third game today, uh, he was at back in the sixth spot, but of course there was an off day for Springer, and you kind of had to shuffle people up in the order. Like Chapman was the leadoff hitter today, so we don't know exactly how permanent it is. Perhaps he's back in the seventh spot again tomorrow night in New York, but it's something that I think we should be monitoring throughout the rest of the way because again, it's just an important hitter to this lineup, an important player to this lineup. <clears throat> and um, the fact that he's dropped as much as he has this year from somebody who is out of the second spot almost a month ago is pretty crazy or pretty crazy to see the fact that he has gone from, again, somebody hitting seventh to uh, all the way hitting at the bottom three of the pretty or the bottom three of the lineup. So that's definitely something that you kind of have to, you know, it just, it definitely isn't something that you normally see, but it's just it's been one of those seasons for Bobochet where he hasn't gotten everything going, and you hope that um, this just helps him at the bottom of the order. Maybe it does help him figure things out, alter an approach a bit, just get more confidence, and that could be part of the reason for catching that lightning in the bottle for the last uh, stretch of the season. I'm trying to see if I can find a stat of how many at bats Bobochet has had in his career. They have gone seven pitchers or longer. I'm struggling right now, but we're gonna stall. By giving our series predictions, the Blue Jays heading to New York, four games against the Yankees. Um, the Yankees aren't doing well right now either. They've lost eight of their last 10 games, and I think it's maybe it's 12 of their last 14. It's some, or maybe 11 of the last 14. It's a lot of games, bottom line, and they're struggling right along with the Blue Jays. So this will be a series that tests both teams, I think, to see what either of them has in store. Um, the Yankees were in a rain delay. 
I think right now they're losing 4-2 to two to the Tampa Bay Rays, so there might be another loss in the Yankees L column before the Blue Jays get to the Bronx. Um, four games in New York. Bryson, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm sure you remember because the last time these two teams met, this was when the Yankees were pretty much at their peak, and this was before the Jays really went on that run. So it just felt like the last time they played, there was a lot of fear in terms of that. This time around, as much as the Jays aren't playing that well, Neither of the Yankees, like you said, maybe this is something they need. You definitely feel a little bit more confident, maybe, that you are playing the Yankees right now. You got Barrios versus Montas in Game 1. Um, you got Kevin Gosman versus Jamison Tyone in Game 2. Game 3, which was confirmed today, it will be Mitch Mitch White's um, spot in the rotation against Garrett Cole. And, of course, in the Sunday game, you have, I believe it's Kevin Gosman going against Nestor Cortez uh, Jr. So... This is a tough one. It's a big four-game series. Neither team is playing well. But, again, I feel a little bit more comfortable that they're playing the Yankees right now. I, I'll i say they take a split, two out of two. I'm not expecting them to completely blow them away throughout this entire weekend. I think that's too much to ask for based on currently how the Jays are playing themselves. But at the same time, the Yankees aren't doing themselves much favors. This is a potential opportunity for the Jays to get going this weekend in New York. Yeah, I'll agree with you, two out of two. I think if you say Kikuchi was pitching on Saturday instead of Mitch White, it'd be a different conversation. But uh, yeah, I think um, I think I'll take two and two because I mean, look, the Yankees suck right now, and the Blue Jays suck right now. So it's a match made in heaven. They'll split, and we won't learn anything from this series. Um, <laughs> I'll ask you this: yeah. Do you think we see Kikuchi out of the bullpen at any point this weekend? Yes, I think we do. Mm, interesting. And I hope to God it goes well because <laughs> the Blue Jays need hopefully to. Hopefully it's a mop-up roll. Yes, hopefully. And hopefully it's a mop-up roll with the Blue Jays up by nine runs or something like that. Um, just to update the Bobachek conversation, can't find the exact stats of, you know, just length of that bat based on pitches, but you can quite easily find the stats for, obviously, the count um, of that bats that it got to and his – numbers in those situations so um given that that seven pitch at bat was a full count he's had um 160 plate appearances that have gone to a full count out of um 1400 career uh, his career at bats. so 1400 career at bats and uh this is what happens when we look at stats live on the podcast uh 117 at-bats that have gone to a full count. So uh, maybe one out of 15, maybe one out of 13, around there. So it's pretty rare for that to happen. So hopefully we see it happen more more frequently with Bo Um We'll see in this series against New York. As always, you can support our podcast by giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Just help spread the word about what we're doing. You can subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash section 138 pod get exclusive access to our discord bloopers and more you can also follow us on social media at section 138 pod on twitter tiktok and instagram we'll catch you on sunday after this four game set against the